Alright, go ahead and take your Bible this morning and go to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll start reading in verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And right there, it's showing that it, getting into the kingdom of God, uh, it's uh, kind of an exclusive thing. There's a lot of people that aren't going to be able to get in there. And he names off all of these sins that I think we would all agree are pretty bad. But at the same time, we've all, many of us have probably been guilty of one or two of these things a time or two in our life. But then look what he says in verse 11. He says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This is a verse that ought to excite any of us right here because it's naming off. He's saying, be not deceived. Hey, the wicked, they're not going into heaven. They're not going into the kingdom of God. And he names off all these things. And while maybe while I'm reading off these things, maybe one or two of them hit you. You know, I've done that before. I've stole before. And if you've ever stole before, what does that make you? It makes you a thief, doesn't it? You're, you're a thief. Alright? And if, you know, if you've done these things one time, you're guilty of these things. But Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians, he says, such were some of you. In other words, you're not those things anymore. Well, how do you, how do you take back a sin? I mean, if you've done it, it's been done, right? How do you, how do you change that? Well, the truth is, the only one way to change that, and that's through Jesus Christ. We are, we have been, uh, washed in His blood. He says, now you're washed. He says, you've been sanctified. You've been justified. To be justified, a lot of people say it, it's just as if I'd never sinned. It's like you've never done it. You've been proven innocent. There's many people who have been found not guilty of a crime, but they weren't necessarily justified. Okay? You know, you take guys like O.J. Simpson, that everybody's still convinced that he did it. Okay? Now, he was found not guilty, but we wouldn't say he was justified because there's never been any proof that he didn't do it. And so everybody still thinks, everybody still thinks he did it. But when it comes to our sins, even if you did do these things, the Bible says that in the name of Christ, we are justified. We are, we are clean. Nobody can bring this up again. Nobody can hold these things against us. And I don't know about you, but that, ought, that excites me. And the, the, one of the things that mentions in here, what I want to talk about today, it mentions us being sanctified. Okay? That, and what I want to talk about today is the miracle of sanctification. The miracle of sanctification, the subject of sanctification, it's going to do one of two things for you. One, it's either going to excite you as it reminds you of what God did for you when He saved your soul, or it will do nothing. Okay? And if it does nothing, it means two things. It either means you're not saved if you've never experienced salvation, if you've never received cleansing from your sin, you're not going to understand what this, you're not going to understand what this is all about. It's not going to really mean anything to you, or it is possible Okay, if this doesn't affect you at all, it is possible that you've just been saved for a while and you have forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. Second Peter one nine talks about that. It talks about how uh, you know we're supposed to be growing as a Christian, and that there are some people that don't. It talks about those who are blind 
and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. There's many people sitting in churches today that have a very self-righteous attitude. There are feel like, you know what? I'm a, I, and they're saved people. They got saved the right way, but right, they've forgotten about that and they've got this better than you attitude. They think they're better than everybody else. And they're real down on people. A lot of times they're the gossip in the church. They're the one that's always talking about everybody. And anybody who would do that, especially a Christian, that's somebody who has forgotten that, you know what, they were purged from their old sins. Many times the sins that we gossip about other people and are things that we've been guilty of in the past. And we've forgotten, like Paul said, such were some of you. You know, you used to be like that. You know, we like to talk about, you know, young boys who... It's like, you know, they get to this age and they start smelling really bad. You got to teach them to take showers and, you know, and uh, I, I used to be that way. You know, I was blessed to have parents that told me I stink and I got to find out from them. And, and, I, and I had sisters that told me I stink too, that, you know, that so I could, uh, you know, take care of that without embarrassing myself in public too much. You know, they, uh, they were... They were always real good about letting you know what was wrong with you. And, you know, nowadays we're not supposed to do that. You know, we don't want to hurt our kids' feelings. Well, let, let me tell you something, parents. If you don't hurt your kids' feelings about how bad they smell, somebody else is going to later. All right? And then, and those people probably don't love them like you do. And so it's, it's just a phase. You know, it happens to everybody. It's happened with my boys. And uh, it happened with me. And we were just talking about something last night. I, I don't remember what it was, but just some things that we... Uh, we're seeing in our boys and it was something that was just same thing with me when I was growing up and it just kind of had some flashbacks. We used to be that way, but we do. We forget about that sometimes and we can get very judgmental and very condemning of other people. And, you know, as you grow as a Christian and as you learn more about God's word, the more the more you study the Bible, the more you grow as a Christian, I believe the more amazed you are that God would save you. It's amazing how many people are sitting in churches today and they have this attitude that I deserve to go to heaven. They think they're going to go to heaven because they're good. And it's like, have you not learned anything in all your years of going to church? Have you not read the, you know, just dozens and dozens of verses that tell you it is not by works? Have you not read the Old Testament where we learn just what is expected of us in, in order to be holy and to be like God. Did you not learn that it's impossible, that it can't be done? Did you not learn in all your years of going to church that that change that took place in your life, it was thanks to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It was by the grace of God. It was through His help. And so why would you be so down on other people? Why would you be so condemning? You, you forgot, but you know, if you're, if you're growing as a Christian, you do, you're just, you're amazed that God would, that God would save us. And so in, the, in the, the dictionary definition of sanctification, it means in a general sense to cleanse, to purify, or to make holy. Okay? To, and that's what sanctification does. Or it can mean to separate, to set apart, or appoint to be holy. Sacred or uh, for sacred or religious use. For example, many times you know, people will call the auditorium the sanctuary. Now why do we call it the sanctuary? Well, we've set this building apart for the service of God. This is used for the service of God. Uh, it, thankfully, we do not pay property taxes here because our government understands, thankfully, that you know this is a place for religious worship. It has been sanctified, you could say. 
It is meant for you know, worship purposes only. We do not rent this place out and make money you know, off the facility or anything like that. We're not going to do that. If somebody wants to come and rent the place for a wedding and pay us money and all that kind of stuff, we're not, we're not going to do that. If we start doing that, we're going to have to start paying taxes. And we, don't want to do, we don't want to do that. But two, this is a special place. You know, we, this is a place where we preach the Word of God, a place where we come and we worship God. And so it's a special place. We're not going to clear the pews out of here and have bingo nights and dances and things like that. And, and the place where we worship God, this is a, this is a special place. And when God sanctifies us, He has set us apart. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. It also means to purify, to prepare for divine service or for partaking of holy things, to separate, ordain, and appoint to the work of redemption and the government of the church, to cleanse from corruption, to purify from sin, to make holy by detaching the affections from the world and its defilements and exalting them to supreme love of God. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus, while He's praying, He said, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So, we see these definitions of sanctification. And then the first time you see the word mentioned in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Or verse 2. In verse 1 it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. God told Israel, I want you to set apart the firstborn. They belong to me. They are sanctified. They are for, they are for a special uh, purpose. And something that is sanctified, it is used for a special purpose. And we are sanctified. God has something for us. God has something that He wants to do for us, and that's that's a privilege there. That's amazing. But there's two types of sanctification that we see in the Bible. And the first one, this is the most important one, this is the sanctification that God does for us. Look at Jude uh, chapter 1, verse, just one chapter there, but Jude uh, 1, verse 1, it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. He's talking to the believers there and he refers to them as being sanctified by God. We're sanctified by God and preserved by Jesus Christ. Okay, Now that's important. There are so many verses we could spend a lot of time on. But man, this is so important that you get this. Okay, When you got saved, you became clean. Alright? Now, how many of you, go ahead and raise your hand if you want, since you've been saved, have sinned? Alright, go ahead. Don't be honest, alright? Alright. Unless you got saved like two seconds ago, alright, you've probably sinned since you've been saved, alright? So understand, we've all done that. But let me, did you become dirty after that? Did you become unsaved after you sinned? Did you lose your salvation? Because let me tell you something, if sanctification of being clean has something to do, and keeping that has something to do with your works, then we've all messed that up. We've all sinned. We need to get saved every day, every hour on the hour. Okay? But the Bible says that we've been sanctified by God and preserved by Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you, has Jesus sinned? Has Jesus ceased to be holy? Has Jesus done anything wrong? Absolutely not. And our salvation is through His payment that He made. And we stay saved. Okay? We are preserved by Jesus Christ. The reason I'm going to be able to stand before God someday and go into heaven is because... I accepted the free gift of salvation that was paid for by Jesus Christ. And I have stayed saved thanks to 
Jesus Christ. I have been preserved in Him. And so sanctification, it is something that goes on forever. It's something that you don't lose. And the miracle, that is a miracle that God can, first of all, cleanse us, but then keep us clean. That's um, unbelievable. We cannot go to heaven without being sanctified or cleansed. And the only thing that will do that is the blood of Jesus Christ. John 17, verse 14 says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. Okay, This prayer wasn't just for His disciples back then, but for, all, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word, that they all may be one as Thou, Father, art in Me and I in Thee, that they also may be one in Us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent Me. You all see that Jesus said that I... Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then Jesus said, I'm going to sanctify myself. And that God is going, and that we are going to be we're preserved in Jesus Christ. And he, Jesus did that. He lived a holy life. He never sinned. And right after this took place, He goes and He died on the cross, shedding His blood as payment for our sin. And all of us who are saved, we are in Christ. Everyone who's going to go to heaven is those who are in Christ. Many people today are falsely teaching that there's multiple ways to God, that we all basically serve the same God and it's all okay. You know, it's, it's all basically the same God. Well, we can't get to God except through Jesus Christ. And you can only do that through His payment that He made. Jesus Christ, the only one He sanctified Himself and our sanctification that we have, it is in Him. Jesus Christ, His blood, it cleanses us. That's why we can go into heaven. Hebrews 13.12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered without the gate. Jesus did that for us. Jesus didn't have to die for Himself. He, he, he was already holy. But for us, He did that. And he, he sanctified us through His blood. There are no sacrifices that we can make that will cleanse us in the eyes of God. You can try all you want. You give up your favorite sins. You give up everything. You live the rest of your life without any physical pleasure. Being a vegetarian, you know, ne- I mean, never, you know, I mean, just whatever, you know, make your list, you know, do all the dietary laws. You know what? You cannot cleanse yourself in the eyes of God. You can't. You can't do it. It's you know, it's, I'm a hundred percent for dieting and all that stuff. But you know, I get aggravated at these people who think they're better than me because they don't eat meat. It's like, man, if you want to be a vegetarian, go for it. But stop acting like you're better than me. I got a great verse about that here in a little bit. That I, I can't, I can't. I just had to bring that. I just can't wait to get to it. But anyway, um, so there, there's no, there's no sacrifices that we can make that will make us clean in the eyes of God. Jesus paid it all. Jesus was the only acceptable sacrifice, and we receive that sanctification by faith. When we have faith, we receive that sanctification. You know, it's often stated that the Old Testament saints were, ha- were saved by having faith in a coming Messiah. You know, people, because we see the verses that talk about how our faith is in Jesus Christ and in His blood, and so 
Well, what did the people do before Jesus Christ? Well, they had to believe that the Messiah was going to come and that He was going to shed His blood. Well, understand though that they that stuff was not revealed to them. Okay, they got saved by believing God, and it turned out, you know, believing in God and believing in Jesus Christ are the same thing. But that part had not been revealed to them yet. But the truth is, what got them saved was by faith and believing in God. They had faith, they believed, they were saved. And which, you know, now we know that faith they had, that while they didn't understand it, is faith in Jesus Christ and in His shed blood. But understand, everyone who's ever been saved, it was they were saved by faith. Acts chapter 26 and verse 18 says, "...to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God." that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Okay? And so that faith is what sanctifies us. When we have faith in Christ, we are sanctified by the blood of Christ. And so if you're trusting in your works, if you think you're clean, if you think you're good enough to get into heaven because of your works, okay, then you're lost. It's that simple. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you say you have no sins, the Bible says you deceive yourselves. Okay? And if you think that you're good enough to go to heaven on your own, you're the only person that's being fooled. God knows you're not good enough. God's word shows that. And you know what? Everybody else knows it too. If you don't think you have any faults, just ask everybody else. Everybody knows everybody else's faults. We have a tough time finding our own, but just ask anyone else. They'll be able to tell you what your faults are. But understand, we're all sinners and you can only deceive yourself if you say you're not. You know, and here's, this is exciting too. Look at 1 Corinthians. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. One of the exciting things about the sanctification, it gives us a calm assurance that our souls are secure once again, thanks to the work of Christ. Now, look what it says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2. It says, Under the church of, church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, and it, it takes grace to save us. It's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. When you got saved, God gave you grace. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. It's amazing that God would give us that grace and save someone like us. But He also gives us peace. Okay. Now, that's the difference between someone who's truly saved and trusting in the work of Christ and someone who's trusting in their own works. I talk to people all the time. I go out knocking doors. I was knocking doors yesterday. And you talk to people... And yet, if you ask them, why do you think you're going to heaven? Or if you, if, you, if you ask, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, I hope so. Well, why, why don't you know it? Well, you know, I think I'm a good person. And they start talking about their own works. They start talking about what they have done. Well, if you're just talking about your own works, then how in the world are you going to have assurance of your salvation? Because if we're all honest with ourselves, we know we don't deserve it, don't we? And if you're just talking about yourself, you're not going to have peace. I'm going to be worried about it. I'm going to be laying up awake at night. When I come to a church and I hear a preacher preaching about salvation, I'm going to get convicted. I'm going to be kind of scared if I'm kind of, if I'm just trusting in my own works because I know my faults. 
I know that I don't deserve salvation, but the Bible says we can have grace and peace. And I have peace because I know I don't have to worry about me. Jesus Christ took care of everything when he died on the cross. He's he cleansed me, not my own works. His payment is acceptable while my own is not acceptable. And so, you know what? I'm okay. I can have peace. I can have assurance. I know I'm on my way to heaven thanks to the sanctification that came by Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 30 of that same chapter. It says, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I like to glory in the fact that I'm saved. I like telling people that I'm saved and bragging. And if I sound like I'm bragging that I'm on my way to heaven, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with bragging on the Lord. You can glory in the Lord all you want. But whenever, if if you're that person, if I I knock on your door and I say, hey, how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You start glorying in yourself. Well, I was an altar boy. Brother Steve got that one one day. It's an awful boy. Really, you're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, yeah. You're 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 gonna play that card. You're you're an altar boy. 800 years ago, you know, he was almost that old. I that's not that's not gonna do it. That that's not gonna work. I go to church. Yeah, I got a bunch of people that go to my church too, and I'll tell you right now, they don't go to deserve to go to heaven. (laughs) That's not that's not gonna that's not gonna get you there. Don't don't glory in yourself. Glory in the Lord. All glory to Jesus Christ. It's amazing how many Christians have given off the impression that we think we're going to heaven because we just think we're that good. We're, we need to talk about Jesus. Okay? We need to praise, we need to praise the Lord. We need to give Him all the glory. Glory in the Lord because he, he deserves it. He paid it all. We did not do it. And so that sanctification that saves us, that is something from God. We receive it when we have faith in Jesus Christ. And he cleanses us, he washes us, he does he does all of that. And so then, but then there's another kind of sanctification. Okay, and this one's important too. This one is not going to you know get you into heaven or keep you out of hell or keep you saved. You can almost look at this as like another subject here. But there is a sanctification that we do for ourselves. Look at what it says in First Thessalonians chapter four and verse three. Because all right, well I'm saved, I'm good, I'm on my way to heaven. So anything goes, right? You know, I'm okay and I can sin and I don't have anything to worry about. Well, I mean, I would not, I wouldn't recommend that. Okay. This is for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son and he receiveth. Okay. So uh, remember that. But 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, for this is the will of God. Okay. If the Lord saved you, I hope you're interested in doing his will now. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. People act like that all the time, that it's like we have this license to sin. That because we're secure in our salvation, that you know we can sin. But God did not call us to uncleanness. We've been called for something else. He therefore that despiseth despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. 
So right here we see that God does want us to sanctify. He wants us to sanctify ourselves. He wants us to sanctify our bodies. Because we talked about this before. When you got saved, God saved your soul. Okay? If you die today, your soul's going to go on to be with heaven. But you know what? We're going to have to put your body in the ground because it's going to rot and it's going to corrupt until the day that until the day Jesus Christ comes back, when He'll resurrect it, when He will save your body. That day is coming in the future. But right now, while you your soul has been sanctified, we should sanctify our bodies. Okay, that's something that we that we're supposed to do, and therefore we avoid certain sins. We avoid fornication. We have some morals in our life. We don't do like the Gentiles, which know not God. We don't. We should not live by the same rules or lack of rules that the world lives by. We should have some um, morality. We should have some goodness. We should have some decency. We should not be stealing. We should not be killing. I should not use these hands to choke somebody to death. Uh, this body that I say, that that I have, it's indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God. And so I ought to honor Him with my body. I've been bought with a price. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to resurrect this body and He's going to change it into one like His glorious body. So in the meantime, I ought to know how to possess my vessel. I ought to be able to keep myself under control. As much as I'd like to maybe lose my temper and just really you know, give it to somebody, I shouldn't do that. I need, I need to keep myself under control. I've got to, I need to follow the commands of God. I need to follow the laws of God. We should live a life that is sanctified or, we looked at it before, set apart for God. See, we all have our things that are special to us. Okay? Look at, go, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Some of y'all, you might have your special dishes that you use whenever you have company over. Or, you know, you have your, uh, outfits that you wear for a special occasion, you know, for the weddings or, uh, funerals or whatever. You know, that, that's your, that's your special outfit. It's something that it is set apart for a specific purpose. We don't use that except for, except for this. That's sanctifying it. And we should sanctify our bodies where we say, you know what? This is the only body I've got. And so, you know what? I'm going to use it for God. I'm not going to do things. I'm not going to be like, it's my body. I can do what I want and then go and destroy it. Okay? I need to sanctify it. And I want to honor God with my body. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I, I should have turned over there when I told you all to. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, we see a great example here. Uh, an illustration of what God's talking about. It says in verse 20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Y'all see that right there? God wants us to, we should want to be a vessel of honor. Okay, just like you might have that special dish that you use, we ought to want to be a special vessel that God uses. One that He uses, one that is clean. A, a vessel of honor. Okay, and... Just like, you know, if you, if you do, if you've got that 
fancy, you know, maybe real silver, silverware, you know, that you use for the special company. And then maybe you've got, you know, you have like our family over that has a lot of kids, you know, you get the plastic forks and spoons, right? Because, you know, you don't want the kids destroying those things. And, you know, but if you're going to have the president over somebody, man, imagine having this president over when the guy's a billionaire, you know, how do you impress a billionaire? I can't do it, <laughs> but you know you do, you would you you do the best you could though. You're going to try to on, you're going to try to honor that person, and I want to be that for God. I want to be a vessel of honor that God can use, and so in order to do that, I must flee youthful lust. You see, Christians, we we're made of the same flesh that everyone else is made out of, so we have some of the same desires, and we are inclined to some of the same sins that everyone else is inclined to. And we've got to purge ourselves from these things. All right, you know, I want to do that, but I'm not going to do that. I want the Lord to be able to use me. God's not going to be able to use me as well if I'm a thief. Why? Because I'm probably going to go to jail. And then, how am I going to pastor this church if I'm in jail? Okay? God is, it is now going to be limited on what God can do with my life. If I'm somebody who has a bad testimony, if I, if I, if when I'm at work, you know, I'm, I'm cursing and swearing and just, you know, living like everybody else. But outside of work, I'm fine. Well, I'm also limited now, too, because there's now a whole group of people that I can't reach with the gospel, that I can't be a blessing to. I now have to worry about a big portion of our society visiting this church. And what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do if these people find out, you know, come and visit our church? What if they tell everybody? about all the things that I've done. You know, I'm limited. So, and God knows that stuff. And, he, and He's not going to be able to use me as much. So I want to sanctify myself. I want to set myself apart and say, yes, I could do what everybody else is doing, but then God couldn't do what He wants to do with me. And I want to be used of God, so I'm going to, I'm going to flee those youthful lusts. I'm going to stay away from those things. You know, and it's okay for us to sanctify. We can sanctify things. And I'm not talking about in a religious, like hocus pocus sense, where you know we're gonna like all go pray over stuff, you know, like I mean, you could say our offering plates. Okay, we use our offering plates for taking up the offering, right? That's their purpose. Okay, we're, we're not gonna get all crazy about it and like worship those items like some some people would do. I remember a guy one time in my dad's church. He got all offended because the guy was preaching. He got out and he stood up on the communion table. He was like, how dare he stand on the communion table? You know, that's a sanctified, you know, uh, item that we have in the church. Well, I mean, yeah, we use it for that, but, you know, it's not like in the Old Testament times. You know, it's, not, I, I don't, wouldn't say he went as far as committing sacrilege, all right? You know, I wouldn't get that upset about it. I, I'm going to be honest. And y'all, if y'all get offended of me, I blame my dad. My dad used to do this all the time. Sometimes I juggle the offering plates. I can, I can do that. I can juggle the offering plates. And um, I don't think we are doing anything terrible by that. All right? I, I don't think I have committed sacrilege necessarily. But at the same time, we can sanctify things. For example, I, I, could say, I guess I could say I've sanctified Sundays in my life. We see in the, in the Bible that in... Uh, in Genesis, actually, the first, I think I said Exodus is the first time sanctification was used, but it was mentioned in Genesis that God set apart or sanctified the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath day. 
That was something that God did for then. And uh, that was a temporary thing that was completed with Jesus Christ. But you know what? If you want to sanctify Sundays and say, you know what? That's the Lord's Day. You know, church is a priority. The things of God are a priority. You can do that. Sanctify those things. We've, sent, you know, we've sanctified the first tenth of our income. You know what? We don't do nothing with that. We give that to the work of the Lord. That, that's sanctifying something. You're setting it apart for something that you might not use that word, but that's exactly what you're doing. You know, we, we have sanctified our building. This is for worship purposes only. And we have liberty in Christ, okay? We have liberty in Christ. If we do something here as a church that's fun, I don't believe we're committing sacrilege, okay? If we, you know, it, I, think, I think it's okay and it's appropriate to do that kind of thing. We, we have that liberty in Christ. But, you know, we sanctify our food even. And this is the verse I couldn't wait to get to. First, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Because we're going to look at this in just a second. In the Old Testament, there was all kinds of food they weren't allowed to eat. And look what it says in the New Testament on 1, Corinthians, or 1 Timothy 4 verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. That's why we pray for our food. All right, what are we doing? We're sanctifying it. And you know what? It's good. Therefore, bring on the bacon. <laughs> All the creatures are good. Y'all hear that? Now, there's some creatures I won't eat. Okay? But, if I was hungry enough, I guess I could, and I wouldn't be violating a law of God. Okay? If I was hungry enough, I would probably enjoy possum or something, you know, if I was starving to death, you know, and I, I'm just, I, would ne- I would never eat a possum, you know, unless I was dying. But you know what? If you eat possum, I can't, I got nothing with the Bible that I can throw at you and say you're a bad person because of that. If you received it with thanksgiving and you sanctified it with prayer, you're covered. I don't know, I like that verse. So you know what? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm thankful for all those cows that are out there just getting fattened up, just waiting for me to eat them. And I am, I am in the clear, folks. But look at Leviticus chapter 11. We see it, it was different. Why was it different? Why did God put the dietary restrictions on them? I could probably preach a whole message on this. I'm not going to do that. But look what it says in Leviticus 11 verse 43. It says, "...ye shall not make yourselves abominable..." With any creeping thing, y'all see that? Don't make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing. And he's talking about eating it. Okay, Neither shall you make yourselves unclean with them. Whoa. We're even talking about sanctification. Right here it's saying you'll be made unclean by eating those things. That ye should be defiled thereby. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. And ye shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither... Uh, Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beast and of the fowl and of every living creature that moveth in the waters and of every creature that creepeth upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, between the beast that they may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. So you all see that right there? Why were those laws so different? Why would eating certain things defile them, but it doesn't us now? Well, do you understand that Old Testament law, that Levitical law, 
God was given them that to them to show them what it took to be holy like Him. And the truth is, God gave them that law, showing what they had to do. And there were many other laws, what they had to do to sanctify themselves. But we know now from the New Testament, was God ever pleased with how they did sanctifying themselves? Did that cleanse anybody? Did the offering of the sacrifices cleanse them from their sin? Now, the faith that it took to do that would please God. But they themselves could not cleanse themselves. And you say, well, why did God have a problem with eating those things? Okay? Because those animals are gross. Alright? Pigs are gross. Okay? You know, the creeping things, you know, the snakes, the possums, the, you know, they are gross. Even cows are gross. I, we lived on a, a farm growing up that had cows. And I can tell you some stories about those cows that are pretty gross. I try not to think about those things sometimes when I'm eating them. Because they are, they're gross. And I preached a message a while back. Some of you might remember, people are gross. Okay, We are gross. God is holy. And so God would give them things. God expected them to do some things. He's trying to show them what it takes to be holy so they would realize, you know what? We can't be holy. We can't be good enough. And they would call on the Lord for salvation. And so we know now, looking back, that what we eat or what we don't eat is not going to cleanse us. It's not going to sanctify us. Only the blood of Christ cleanses us. So, it's a waste of time to even try to cleanse ourselves through these ceremonial things, through the dietary laws. Jesus Himself said it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles man. It's what comes out. Okay? If what you eat does not affect your behavior, then it's not sinful. Alright? And so, even if it is Gross, okay? And there are, there's a lot of things, there's things that you all eat that it grosses me out sometimes, you know? And just think how it makes God feel. You know, all of you that eat cheese and stuff like that. I, I still can't find anything in the Bible against it, but I'm working on it. And one of these days I'll find a way to use the scripture to preach against it, but I've I, I failed so far. <laughs> but, and it's not looking real good. But at the same time, God was showing, and so now, why, why did God get rid of those dietary laws? Because our, we, he, we now know our sanctification it is through Jesus Christ. It's through his, through his work and therefore God's not, God's not worried about that stuff. Jesus never ate possum and pork and all that stuff. But we can because Jesus Christ fulfilled that law. We don't have to keep the Sabbath because Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus fulfilled those things. We don't have to keep all the feast laws because Jesus kept all the feast laws. He did all those things. And so the things like the moral laws and stuff that affect you know things between us and other people, God wants us to do those things. He wants us to live happy lives, fulfill lives. God expects us to have some morality. But those things do not save us. But they do sanctify. We, but we, they, we can sanctify ourselves with those physically so we can be of better service to God. And so the two types of sanctification, one, the sanctification that God does for us through Jesus Christ, that's what saves us. But then there's this, you yourself. You can set yourself apart for God. Say, you know what? I'm going to keep certain things out of my life because I want to be a better servant for God. I want God to be able to use me in a greater way. And so when Israel tried to sanctify themselves to God, God was not able to receive them. And we don't have time to look at it. But in Exodus chapter 19, we see a story that I think is a neat story where God was up in the mountain. And 
God, they, a trumpet sounded, which is interesting. A trumpet sounded long in the mountain. And this is my opinion, but I think what happened on that mountain that day is very similar to what's going to happen in the rapture. But after God, before God blew that trumpet, God told the people, He said, sanctify yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. And they all went and they took baths and they, you know, they cleaned their act up the best they could. But after God sounded that trumpet, nobody was allowed to go up into the mountain. God said, if anybody even touches the base of that mountain, they're going to die. Nobody was allowed to come near a holy God after they sanctified themselves. And then Moses, God allowed Moses to go up into the mountain. And while Moses was up in that mountain, in the very next chapter, God gave him the Ten Commandments. And then God gave them the law, showing what man had to do to be holy, to sanctify themselves. And thankfully, or eventually, what they finally learned, some of them, is we can't sanctify ourselves. We need a Savior. And Jesus Christ came, and He was that Savior. And those of us who have received His cleansing, who have accepted the gift of His salvation, one of these days, a trumpet's going to sound again. And the next time that trumpet sounds, you know what? We are going to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Why? Because we will be clean this time. Why? Not because we, not because we sanctified ourselves, but we were sanctified by Jesus Christ through His blood. And if you've never done that today, if you've never called on the Lord for salvation, if you've never just admitted you're a sinner and said, Lord, I'm trusting in You for salvation instead of my own works, Boy, talk to one of us today. Come and let us take the Bible and show you. It is so clear. For whosoever shall call upon the Lord, the name of the Lord, shall be saved. It is not by works of righteousness. You might think, no, I've done too many sins. You don't know what I've done. What was our monthly memory verse? God came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. God saved Paul for, as an example for everyone else. If God can save Paul, He can save you. And He wants to save your soul. And He will sanctify you. He will cleanse you. And folks, that is a miracle. That is a miracle. The fact that what I'm looking at today, you've been sanctified. Wow. Well, from what I'm seeing right now, it's very clear you all don't get the credit for that. I believe it by faith. And you know who I'm going to glorify for that? Jesus Christ. And thank God for that. So let's, with that, let's all stand together.